let me remind you of our kind of where we're at with hear him. There are two lines of communication between Heavenly Father and ourselves. He speaks to his children through two lines of communication. One is a personal line. We spend a lot of time talking about how revelation comes through the personal line. You get to speak directly to deity. You don't have, I mean, you have every right to talk to your father. And learning how to do so is critical. He speaks through a personal line. But there are some limitations to that. He can't, for, for example, reveal details about the plan of salvation to us individually because that would create a system of chaos, right? How many kingdoms of glory do you think there are? Well, I think there's this many. That whole system, you imagine calling yourself on a mission? I think there are portions of the world that would go neglected. And so the Lord says, look, for the order of the kingdom, there is a priesthood line of communication. And he speaks through a priesthood line. And those things that come through the priesthood line are for continuity, all of us. And may I say, it is our doctrine that if these are not in harmony with each other, which one trumps which one? The way the system works. Can you imagine if this trumped this? How many people think the prophet's wrong? Well, it's been revealed to me that you're wrong. That would be a system of chaos, right? So which one trumps which one? And I, can I just say that kindly? If you, are receiving revel- if you are receiving what you think is revelation and it's out of harmony with what has come through the priesthood line, whether through prophet, scripture, or any other priesthood line source, which one's wrong? You're wrong. And whatever source, it's not a divine source. And we, add, and we can be deceived. And one of the ways to know that your personal revelation is being deceived is it's not in harmony with what's coming through priesthood lines. And the opposite is also true. There are things that a bishop may claim is his responsibility and are not. And kindly say to the bishop, thank you, bishop, but that comes through the personal line. Can you imagine if a bishop wanted to give you counsel on who to marry and how many children to have? And you would kindly say what? Thank you, bishop, but that will come through which line? And so understanding the distinction between those two lines is very important. So we have been here. We have been focusing on priesthood line tools that open up revelation. We've done three, and tonight will be our fourth, and then last or next week, our final class, we'll just kind of do a summary back to all, both of them. But one very, very important priesthood line tool that increases personal revelation is his house, the covenants of the temple. Number two, we talked about patriarchal blessings. How to use your own personal revelation through a priesthood line to increase personal revelation. And then last week we talked about scripture. How do you turn on the miracles? By taking advantage of scripture. You carry them in your pockets. 
You carry them in your pockets. Don't be slothful and negligent. You have the power to turn on so much personal revelation if you take advantage of that priesthood line tool. So tonight we're going to do one more. And it's one that, again, so simple, but often not taken full advantage of. And that is the Lord's representative on earth. We have a prophet. And when the Lord has a prophet on earth, one of the ways to receive personal revelation is to give heed to his counsel. Let me show you that. Let me show you a fascinating little story where Jesus illustrates that point powerfully. Now, I want to do this together. I, I think I erased it. Tell me I erased it. I did. Okay. I want to start with a blank 3 Nephi 19. And if you have not marked 3 Nephi 19, not tonight would be a great night to mark this up with me. We'll do this together. We'll go as quickly as we can. And that may, may I'll try not to be sloppy, but I'm going to be quick. So bear with me because 3 Nephi 19 has to be drawn in order to fully get its message. So we're going to identify the antecedent to every they, them, and their. If you don't do it this way, if you don't if you don't identify who's he talking about, you're going to miss a very important lesson. So everyone turn to 3 Nephi chapter 19, and let's get the setting. So, Jesus has left. He, came, he comes three times in 3 Nephi, right? He doesn't come and stay the whole time. He comes and leaves, comes and leaves, comes and leaves. And you can see where that's broken down in the Book of Mormon. And he has left. This is where he left. And while he's gone, it was noised abroad concerning Jesus, insomuch that it had sent forth the people, that, and there were many, exceedingly great number, did labor exceedingly all that night that they might be on the morrow in the place where Jesus should show himself unto the multitude. I love that idea. I'm going to labor through the night to get where Jesus is going to be. Now, the twelve have taken charge in his absence. And in verse three, 4, we number them. We know who the twelve disciples are. Now, which three are the three Nephites? I don't know. But there are the names. There are the names of the twelve disciples. By the way, why do we call them twelve disciples, not why not twelve apostles? There's only twelve apostles. And where are the twelve apostles? In Jerusalem, you can't have 24 apostles. So these 12 are subject to the other 12. Okay, total side note. Can I just geek out a little bit? Going back to the very first chapter of Nephi, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but Lehi has a dream in chapter 1 of 1 Nephi. He sees Jesus, right? 
He saw the heavens open and he thought he saw heaven, God sitting on a throne. And then he saw one, capital O, one, descending out of the heavens. And then in verse 10, he saw 12 others. But then, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but look at verse 11. And they came down, they meaning the 12 came down and went forth upon the face of the earth, think temple, and the first one came and stood before my father and gave him a book. Who would that be? That's Peter. That's Peter. The supreme reigning first member of the first presidency. He's the first one. And so why are there 12 disciples in America? Because where's the first one? Where's the quorum of the 12? In Jerusalem. You only have one. So, but here we are in America. All right, back to 3 Nephi 19. Okay, here's, here's what we're going to do. Starting here, I want you to notice the names of the 12. Now, these were the names of... Now here's what we're going to do. You'll need two colors for this. I'm going to do red and orange. And so my red is going to be the disciples whom Jesus had chosen. And it came to pass that they, they went forth and stood in the midst of the multitude. This is going to get very confusing if we don't separate the they's. So for the sake of who we're talking about, the other one is going to be multitude. So I have the disciples in red, multitude in orange. And then I'm going to try and draw it on the board so you can see the point the Savior is trying to make. A very, very significant message. But he's going to illustrate it rather than say it. All right, here we go. Ready? The multitude was so great that they did cause that they should be separated into 12 bodies. See, this is exactly what we're going to do. So you yell out red or orange. Uh, how are we going to do this? this can, well, we'll just go slow. Came to pass the multitude was so great that they did cause that they should be separated into 12 bodies. Do you see what we're doing? And the twelve did teach the multitude, and behold, they did cause that the multitude should kneel down upon the face of the earth and should pray unto the Father in the name of the twelve. So who caused the multitude to kneel down? Red. The disciples did pray unto the Father also in the name of Jesus, and it came to pass that they arose and ministered unto the people. And when they had ministered those same words which Jesus had spoken, nothing varying. I'm going to do that in yellow because I want to make a point here. Tell me what true disciples of Jesus say and teach. You can, tell a rec you can recognize a disciple of Christ because what do they do? Those same words which Jesus had spoken, nothing varying. Varying. Actually, let's add, let's add nothing varying from the words which Jesus had spoken. That's a true disciple. They simply teach what the Savior has given them.
Behold, they knelt again and prayed to the Father in the name of Jesus. Who knelt and prayed in the Father in the name of Jesus? It's a hard one, right? What do you think? When they had ministered those same words which Jesus had spoken, nothing varying from the words which Jesus had spoken, behold, they knelt again and prayed to the Father. I'm pretty sure that it's the 12 that are praying here. Jesus, the 12 are praying. And they did pray for that which they most desired. Tell me what the quorum of the twelve, what the first presidency, what do those who represent Jesus desire more than anything else? They desired that the Holy Ghost should be given unto Now make a case for it being read. Make a case for it being read. Okay, help us know what to say to them. Right? Lord, guide us. I think we can make a case for it being read, right? Why orange, James? So can you make a case for that being both of them? And I love the fact that it doesn't distinguish because it's left to us to say, what is it that the quorum of the 12? Now, could you say, could you honestly say that President Nelson's, probably President Nelson's greatest desire is that he can be led by the Holy Ghost so that what he does is right and true and inspired? Could you also say that President Nelson's greatest desire is that we have the Spirit? So how about we do this? Oh, whoops, I was doing yellow. How about we do this? Not okay? So, clear indication of a representative who wants to be led by God and wants us to receive the Spirit ourselves. Now, when they had prayed, so whatever the them was in the previous verse is the same they here, so I won't mark it. When they had thus prayed... Now, actually, I can go back to they're the ones praying. When they had thus prayed, they went, down, they went down to the water's edge and the multitude followed. Now, this is where it gets very important that we distinguish. It came to pass that Nephi went down into the water and was baptized. Has Nephi been baptized? Do you think the president of the quorum, the, thing, the, the, the first disciple has been baptized? But when Jesus came, he baptized them again. He started over. That was a common practice in the early days of the church. It's even a common practice today, except for the fact that what the second baptism isn't filling the font baptism. For us, it's... It's the sacrament. This is a common thing to repeat the covenant. But because the law of Moses is over, he's putting them under a new covenant. Who got baptized in verse 11? Nephi. Nephi. Now listen very carefully to verse 12. He came up out of the water and began to baptize. And he baptized all those whom Jesus had chosen. Now, again, hold on, because you don't need to cry foul here. You need to understand the lesson the Savior's trying to teach. Did the multitude get baptized at this moment? Mm -hmm. 
No. He baptized all those whom Jesus had chosen. He baptized the twelve. So now let me draw. I'll try and do red and orange, but I got to do fire. I should have done a different color than red because I got to circle them with fire. But here's the 12. Here are the 12. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. And they get baptized. And out here is the multitude who did not. Now we might be tempted to say, eh, eh. Doesn't God love me? Do you have to be an apostle for someone to, for God to love you? <laughs> Hold on. He's teaching something. Let him teach his lesson. So he baptizes the 12. That's coming, but right now he baptizes the 12. Now verse 13. It came to pass that when they were all baptized. So we're still red, right? and had come up out of the water. Now I'm going to highlight these. What do you want these, green? I'm going to highlight what happens in green. It came to pass when they were all baptized and had come up out of the water, the Holy Ghost did fall upon them. Who is this? The twelve. Now, this is where the lesson starts to begin. They receive a manifestation of the Holy Ghost. They receive a manifestation of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost did fall upon them, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And behold, they were encircled about as if by fire. Let me do that in green. No, I want, I'm just going to leave that blank for a second. You'll see why. They were encircled about as if by fire. And it came down from heaven. And the multitude did witness it. And they did bear record. Now, I've often wondered if it would make a difference if General Conference started this way. You imagine being in the conference center and watching fire come down and encircle the 12. Would you pay a little bit more attention to what they said if that's how the meeting began? With fire encircling them? So here they are encircled by fire. And who joins them? Angels did come down from heaven and did minister unto them. So all of a sudden, you've got Nephi checking Dieter Ufdorf's talk. Show me what you're going to say. Why don't you change that word? You imagine Nephi sitting there and chatting with Dieter Ufdorf before his talk. Isaiah coming down and speaking with uh, David Bednar. That I would like. What if, as we sat there watching General Conference, they were encircled by fire and we watched angels come down and whisper in their ears? And then, verse 15, he's been gone for a while and this is where he makes his appearance again. This begins the next visit of Christ. It came to pass that while the angels were ministering unto the, the disciples, behold, 
Jesus came and stood in the midst and ministered unto, who's this one? Is it orange? Is it orange? It's not orange. And that's the point. It's not orange. Jesus ministered unto the disciples. And again, don't cry foul. Don't go, eh. This isn't an act of favoritism. He's about to make a very important point that I'm trying to show you. So now we have Jesus with them in the fire and angels. So there's Russell Nelson preparing to start the general conference and the Savior sitting next to him with Nephi and Lehi and Mormon and Moroni. Would you pay attention in that meeting a little bit more? The multitude is coming. Hold on. It came to pass that he spake unto the multitude and commanded them that they should kneel down upon the earth and also that his disciples should kneel down upon the earth. So now we have a help here, right? Who does Jesus command to kneel down in verse 16? Now, he begins to speak. So why is he standing with them and talking to them? I'm trying to teach something important. Will you pay attention? I'm standing here talking to you. Would you kneel down and pray with me? And will you hear what I pray for? Ready? Here's the lesson. And it came to pass that when they were still twelve, were still disciples, were still multitude, when they had all knelt down upon the earth, he commanded his disciples that they should pray. And behold, they began to pray, and they did pray unto Jesus, calling him their Lord and their God. And it came to pass that Jesus departed out of the midst of them. He's been with the twelve. We're going to give that rat. Went a little way off from them and bowed himself to the earth and said, Now listen. I am confident he was saying this prayer over here so they could hear. Now, do you see the symbolism? He is setting them up and then coming over because he has a message for us in his prayer. Listen to the Savior's prayer. Ready? Father, I thank thee that thou hast given. I'm going to make this green again. So you remember this. Let me say it here. Thou hast given the Holy Ghost unto whom? These whom I have chosen. Father, thank you for giving the Holy Ghost to the twelve. I'm so grateful that you have given the Holy Ghost to Russell Nelson and the Quorum of the Twelve and the First Presidency. And why is it that they get the Holy Ghost? It is because of their belief in me that I have chosen them out of the world. Now, ready for the message? I wish 
the music would join me here. I wish the crescendo would come. I wish I could do this justice by just reading it. Father, I pray thee that thou, I'm going to read it and then you help me mark it. I pray thee that thou wilt give the Holy Ghost unto all them that shall believe in their words. Do you see why it's so critical to mark this? Thank you for giving it to the 12. Now, I pray that thou wilt give the Holy Ghost. So let me make this green. Give the Holy Ghost unto all them that shall believe. Tell me what, the, what color is them. Now he's speaking to you and I. I pray that you will give the Holy Ghost to everyone who does what? believes in their words. There's the secret. That's what he's setting up. That's what he's trying to teach. I don't have favorites here. I don't love them more than these guys, but I'm trying to send a message. If you want the Holy Ghost, how do you get it? You believe in what I am inspiring them to say. Do you hear the message? Father, I pray that you give the Holy Ghost unto all them that shall believe in their words. Now, this is, this is in harmony with everything that we've talked about in this class. Who holds the key as to whether or not I have the Holy Ghost? I do. I have the key. And how do I turn the key? I believe and obey what he sends to them. Now again, do you think he's going to confirm it to me personally? Do you think I need to follow them blindly? Is that what God is asking us, to follow prophets blindly? Will he confirm to me as a second witness, what, is say, what he is saying to them. See the harmony? Do you see how they work together? But if I want the Holy Ghost, I better understand that in this day, in this age, with who's on the planet right now, I have a key to open up revelation in my life. And that key is, do I believe what comes to me from prophets, seers, and revelators? James. I was just thinking about it, and if, you know, the thought of him praying among the multitude for the disciples and that they could hear it, um, growing up in a larger family, not as large as yours, but a larger family, when mom and dad gave the authority to the older sibling that they were in charge in front of us, we respected them more. Yeah. But if it was like, no, mom and dad put me in charge, we're like... Really? I, was, I didn't hear that. I can do what I want. I'm old enough. But if mom and dad did that in front... Guys, James is in charge. Does everyone hear me? James is in charge. That's a very different thing than James claiming to be in charge, right? And Jesus, do you see what he's doing? I have a representative on earth and God will speak. I shouldn't have erased this. God will speak to each one of you what you need, but what you all need comes from where? From here. And that's the rule. I think this verse ought to be multicolored and have lights around it. 
I think it should come pre-marked in our scriptures with angels singing every time you turn to this page. I pray that you will give the Holy Ghost to everyone that believes in their words. Now, tell me how Heavenly Father emphasizes. Guess what he's going to do? Guess what he's going to do? Let's turn the page. Abby? Uh, I read in um, verse 23. Um, Don't get to 23. We're not there to yet. Hold on. Hold on. Says prayer continues, Father, thou hast given them. So again, we're still back to given the 12, the Holy Ghost, because they believe in me. And thou seest that they believe in me because thou hearest them. And they pray unto me, and they and they pray unto me, and they pray unto me because I am with them. Now, Father, I pray unto thee for them and also for those who shall believe on their words. I'm going to make this orange. All those who shall believe on their words. See what he's doing? Tell me why Jesus does that. Tell me why Jesus does that. Are you listening? I'm waving my arms. This is how the Savior emphasizes. If you want the Holy Ghost, believe in their words. That they may believe in me, that I be in them. And thou, we're going to save this one for another day. The oneness, we'll save that one for another day. So his prayer is over. It came to pass that when Jesus had thus praised unto the Father, he came unto his disciples, and behold, they still did continue without ceasing to pray unto him. And they did not multiply many words, for it was given unto them what they should pray, that they were filled with, de with desire. And it came to pass that Jesus blessed them as they did pray unto him. I'm going to not, I think you know where we're going, so hold on. That Jesus did bless them as they did pray unto him, and his countenance did smile upon them. Can I mark this one in green? What would you do if while Russell Nelson is at the podium speaking, you could see Jesus behind him doing this? It would be, but what would you pay? Would you pay attention? If you could see the countenance of the Savior smiling on them, would you pay attention? This is important to me. The light of his countenance did shine upon them, and they were white. I'm going to mark this in, in green. They were as white as the countenance and also the garments of Jesus. So let me put one more word up here. They have been purified. Why do people, why would someone glow like that? They've been purified. And so the 12 have been purified. 
And behold, the whiteness thereof did exceed all the whiteness, even there could, not be, there could be nothing upon the earth, so white is the whiteness thereof. And Jesus did say, pray on. Nevertheless, they didn't say. And he turned from them again and went a little way off and bowed himself to the earth and prayed again. You understand what he's doing? Don't miss this. He prayed again saying, now, what was his subject last time? I'm so grateful that you gave the Holy Ghost to the 12. Now give it to everyone who believes in their words. And what just happened to the 12? They were purified. Father, I thank thee that thou hast purified those whom I have chosen. What color is that? So I am so grateful that you have purified those whom I have chosen. I'm going to say green again because they've been purified. Because of their faith. Oh, whoops. Because of their faith. And I pray for them. Ready? Here he goes. Big loud voice. Here comes the music. Ready? And also for them who shall believe on their words. I pray for them who shall believe on their words. That they may be purified in me through faith on their words, even as they are pure in me. There's so many thems, theys, and theirs, right? Mm -hmm. I pray for, and I also pray for them who shall believe on their words, that they, what color is this one? That the multitude, the common person, may be purified through faith on their words. Who's that? What's that? Even as they are purified in me. Do you just hear him waving his arms again? Not only will I give you the Holy Ghost like I gave it to them, but I will purify you like I purified them. You see the pattern? Is there any blessing that comes to the quorum of the 12, the president of the church, that isn't readily available to every one of us? Could you have a vision of the three degrees of glory? Or was that just for the prophet? Could you have prayers answered and marvelous things happen in your life? But one of the ways you turn the key, do you understand what he's saying? One of the ways you turn the key is by heeding what comes to disciples. He is repeating on purpose. I pray also for them who shall believe on their words that they, Macy's going to Japan, and you know what she needs more than anything else? She needs the Holy Ghost and to be purified and to be protected and blessed. Because I'm positive if Russell Nelson went to Japan, he'd be purified and protected and blessed. And the Lord's saying, I'll do it to you if you turn that key and believe on the words that have come through my servants.
Do you see how powerful 3 Nephi 19 is? He's waving his arms. Now, let me not only, let me point out, let me see if I can draw this. If I draw this, what comes to them will come to me if I believe on their words, right? What comes to them will come to me if I believe on their words. Now, let me show you a twist on that. If I don't believe their words, not only can we assume what? If I don't believe their words, then I don't receive what came to them, right? There's another X I need to put up here. If I don't believe their words, let's read it and then you tell me where to put the X. Ready? In the dedicate, no, in the, after the dedication of the Kirtland Temple, when Jesus comes to accept the temple, let's turn there. Doctrine and Covenant section 110. 109 is the dedication, the dedicatory prayer, and they dedicate it on April 3rd, 2000, no, 1836. So now go to section 110. Sorry, I didn't clear this one out. So you're going to see all my markings. Ignore my markings. Well, let's read it. Verse 2. The veil was taken from our minds. The eyes of our understanding opened. We saw the Lord standing on the breastwork of the pulpit. His feet did not touch the ground. His eyes were a flame of fire. I, gotta, I, can't, I can't resist. Sorry. Why are the eyes of Jesus like a flame of fire? Now, when you first look at someone whose eyes are a flame, you think they're mad, right? But tell me what fire does. It refines and purifies. Jesus looks at you through purified eyes. That's one of my favorite symbols, the, the fire in his eyes. Jesus looks at me through purified, refined eyes, not as a human that judges me. I love that. His voice was the sound of rushing water. Tell me why. How many of you turn on the sound of rushing water to go to sleep? It's very calming. Powerful and yet calming. Isn't that interesting? That Jesus would be powerful and yet calming. And then he speaks and he says, your sins are forgiven. You are clean before me. So what did he just do? See the pattern? Joseph didn't build the temple alone. And yet Jesus came in and said, Joseph, your sins are forgiven. You see what he's doing? Joseph, your sins are forgiven. And you're clean before me. Let the hearts of your brethren rejoice and let the heart of my people rejoice who have with their might built this house unto my name. I accept this house and my name shall be here and I will manifest myself to my people in mercy in this house. Now ready? You tell me what else I need to do to the board based on verse 8. I will appear unto my servants and speak unto them with mine own voice if my people will keep my commandments and do not pollute this holy house. 
Do you see it? Tell me what you see. If, if I do not listen, heed, obey, not only do I not receive the blessing, but what? If we as a people don't follow the prophet, then, then God doesn't speak to the prophet. Why should he? The whole point is gone, right? Because he doesn't favor the prophet. Why is he speaking to the prophet? And if we don't listen, then why should he speak to the prophet? The only people on this planet who can silence a prophet is his own people. No enemy could silence a prophet, could he? Wait, what's with Moses? Moses came and talked and there were no believers. Oh, I think there were many believers. You read, the New, you read the Old Testament. There were many believers. Did they all? Maybe no go read it carefully. Did they all? No, there was a huge group of believers. And as long as there are, what do we know? God speaks to the prophet. When does he stop speaking to a prophet? Not, the, not because the prophet didn't deserve it. Are there Old Testament prophets to whom he did not speak because the people weren't listening? There were no people. I leave you my witness. The key to your blessings is in your hand. If you want the Holy Ghost, if you want to be purified, the words of prophets, seers, and revelators need to take on a prominent part of your life. Can I just share one thing that I do? You can see I, I'm a digital learner. I've converted my... I have in my notebook, in, in my iPad, an entire, an entire pair. This is my whole folder of the messages of prophets, seers, and revelators. And when a prophet speaks, let's do this one. When a prophet speaks, every time he says things like, I urge you, however you put us to, I put his little face next to it. Every time he says, I urge, I plead, I invite, I put his face next to it. I urge you. And so all I have to do is take a quick look at any talk. And I know that on, pay, on that page, on two occasions, he said, I invite you. And these little nuggets... That's how I qualify. I invite you to remember Jesus Christ. Pray to have courage, the courage and wisdom to say or do what he would. This is how you claim those blessings. Cast Satan out of your relationships. When they speak, it's not with a voice of thunder, is it? 
President Nelson always uses those words, I invite, I urge, I plead. How about this one? Please listen carefully. I bear you my testimony that they will speak if we listen. And if we listen, every blessing that comes to a prophet can come to you. Now, is this the only way to get a blessing? No. Do you see how this now fits all of our patterns? Put this in the context. But do you see, Jesus did something very unusual in 3 Nephi 19. And I would plead that you would catch the message. When they say things like, I urge, that's how you claim your blessings.